We turn for a reading again this morning in your Bible in Judges chapter 2. And we begin our reading at verse 7 and read through verse 18. Familiar text, I'm very sure, to your heart. One that we have studied many months ago. But I would like to take a fresh look in the context of our new year. Judges chapter 2 and verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Herez in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill, Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges. They went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. But they did not so. If you will, please stand with me and sing again number 895. Let Zion and her sons rejoice 
Behold the promised hour. Her God hath heard her morning voice and comes exalted power. Her dust and ruins that remain are precious in his eyes. These ruins shall be built again and all that dust shall rise. The Lord will raise Jerusalem and stand in glory there. All nations bow before his name and kings attend with fear. He sits a sovereign on his throne with pity in his eyes. He hears the dying prisoners groan and sees their sighs arise. He frees the soul condemned to death nor when his saints complain Shall it be said that praying That was ever spent in vain This shall be known when we are dead And left no long record that ages yet unborn may read and praise and trust the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Spoiled yet groaning. Subtitle the message this morning, Hope for 2023. As we congregate here today on this, the first day of a new year, I've set before your hearts the words of this text in Judges 2, verses 7 through 18. Being as I have only this one message, only one sermon to deliver to your hearts for this occasion, I can hope to do no more than to set out to your minds some of the general features of this text and draw to our hearts then the lessons by which our God would admonish us here in this special solemn hour. That is the turning of another calendar year. I would bring us to this text by only a brief reminder of its context in the national life of Israel. Israel had been and continued to be constantly waffling 
in her loyalty to Jehovah. They would rise up in righteous zeal and follow the Lord their God for a season, giving glory to him and walking in his paths, only to turn again. And like that swine in Second Peter 2 and 22, they would turn again to wallow in the mire of their own carnal lust and drink in the putrid vomit of their own idolatry. Their state would oscillate between these extremes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, double-minded and tossed, never fixed and never stayed. Like the man in James 1 and 8, they were always unstable, sometimes ebbing, sometimes flowing, like the waves of the sea. Nowhere is this sad inconsistency better described than in our text here today in Judges chapter 2. Here, their pathetic national biography is written and summarized in only a few verses. We learn in verse 7, first, that this is an almost direct quote From Joshua chapter 24 in verse 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, which had known the works of the Lord that he had done in Israel. The words in Judges 2, almost a direct quote. There in one summary statement, is a testimony of the truth I preached on last week in our studies of Gideon. Truth of the power of the influence of one man's righteousness. In this case, not Gideon, but Joshua. But here we see the influence not only of one man, but that of a whole generation. In Judges chapter 2, he talks not only about Joshua, but he talks about that generation that had seen the works of the Lord and had followed the Lord in their day. Here we see the influence of one man and of his generation. And what, we may well ask, what was it that made them to differ from the new generation? And this is a point I want very thoroughly to make this morning as a message to you for this hour. What was it that made that generation to differ from a priest, from the following new generation. It is only this, only this, found in verse 7. 
Only this. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of their elders that outlived Joshua who had seen the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Herein is the only difference. They had seen the works of the Lord that he did in Israel. They had seen. <laughs> oh, can I press on your heart this first day of the year? Could I press on your heart the power of personal experience in knowing the Lord? That is all the difference. The power of personal experience. Oh, blessed John in 1 John, verse 1 through 3, testified. Listen what John testified. He said, that which was from the beginning, we have heard. Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. Did our hands and our hands have handled on the word of life that which we have seen and declared, we declare unto you that which we have seen. We have heard. Our hands have handled. John said, I have this by personal experience. We have experienced. In our text, those served the Lord in that generation of Joshua and the men that were with him. They served the Lord because of personal experience of the mighty works that God had done. I ask you this morning, why has America fallen so deeply in our day? Why has 2022 been a series of appalling disasters morally and civilly? Why has the power of godliness gone from our professed churches? Oh, here it is. This generation is lacking the personal experience of Christ. They have a form of godliness without the power thereof. Volumes, volumes written on the subject of holiness without the experience of Christ will avail nothing. Proliferation of programs and the multiplication of conferences will yield nothing without the experience of Christ. Abounding homilies and lectures will serve and achieve nothing if men go on in the performance of religion without Christ. Could I just pause there and ask you, where are you in your experience of Christ? What made the difference here in verse 7? What made the difference? 
The difference was they had personal experience of the power of God. I fear that we're not only filling buildings, filling pews. Oh, I fear that we're filling pulpits with men that have no experience of the power of God. They have not experienced it. Verse 7, the days of the elders that outlived Joshua... They who had seen, they had seen for themselves the great works of the Lord that he did in Israel. They had personal experience of it. Some of you may sit on these pews week after week in faithfulness and even in giving and in supporting and in helping and offering and being there, and yet in your own heart, you have no experience of Christ. This generation saw for themselves. This generation had learned what the wise man in the book of Proverbs had learned when he said in chapter 21, in verse 20, there is treasure to be desired in all in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life and righteousness and honor. There's treasure to be desired in the all and all in the dwelling of the wise. Why? Because he has experience and knows it. This generation, back in Joshua chapter 24, such was their knowledge and experience, their personal experience of this God, such was their personal experience of this God, that in chapter 24 and verse 32, they even had respect for the bones of the godly. Verse 32 and the bones of Joseph with the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for an hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Israel. I'm telling you that this generation, this generation that died, this generation that passed away, they differed from the new generation so much so they even had respect for the bones of godly. Oh, Matthew Henry said, Israel, who had brought this coffin full of bones with them out of Egypt, carried it along with them in all their marches through the wilderness, kept it in their camp till Canaan was perfectly reduced. Now at last, they deposited it in a piece of ground which his father gave him near Shechem. Probably it was upon this occasion that Joshua called for all Israel to meet him at Shechem, verse 1 of that chapter, and attended Joseph's coffin to the grave there so that the sermon in this chapter served both for Joseph's funeral sermon and his own farewell sermon. And if it was, as it is supposed in the last year of his life, the occasion might very well remind him of his own death being at hand. For he was just at 
that same age he had arrived when he died 110 years of age oh this generation listen to me this generation that had seen for themselves followed the Lord my great fear one of my greatest fears in my responsibility as a pastor is that some of you go out in eternity without Christ after spending a lifetime talking about him coming to his church serving among his people but no experience of Christ this is what made that generation different from the next. Alas, the next generation had not this experience. And thus we read in verse 12 and 13, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers that brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth. I pointed out at that time that we studied this chapter, Balaam is in the masculine, Ashtaroth is in the feminine gender. Everyone, man and women, they forsook the Lord. Oh, how well one scholar summarized it all up when he said this. He said, with the removal of these leaders in Israel, a reaction set in. The fervor of their movement declined. The era of slackness and compromise succeeded. And a generation arose that are described with these horrible words. They know not the Lord. Can I just give you this lesson? When only carnal considerations are the rule of life for any people, then death of even one righteous man can be the death of the corporate body. I said when only carnal considerations, when a people are individually only interested in their own prosperity, their personal gain, their personal pleasures, their own desired attainments, when only carnal considerations are the rule of life for any people, then the death of even one righteous man can be the death of the whole corporate body. And so it was with Israel. So it was with Israel. Joshua died. And the people went a-whoring after other gods. This was surely the case with Israel here and has surely been the case of our nation today. 
But alas, it has also been the case with far too many professors of religion in our churches. Notice the wording of verse 12 again, please. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. Listen now. Of the gods of the people that were round about them. The people round about them. This is the plague that blights many as we pass from 2022 to 2023. This is the plague that blights on many a heart. The Hebrew word for people there is not just the word for general population. It said it is it translates better to the word tribe. A very specific environment around you. It's not just people in general, the whole world. It's that immediate culture that's around you and in your presence. They fell to following the gods that were around them, the people that were around them. Oh, and I fear that's far too much the case among believers in this country today. We are too much consumed with that which is immediately around us and we're affected by it. That former generation was not affected because they had seen the works of God. But this new generation came. They hadn't seen the work of God and so they were affected by the tribe around them. It seems like we're in a mad panic to this generation. I talk to people all the time. It seems like this generation is in a mad panic to be more like the world than the world themselves in the church. Oh, far too many professors of Christianity have been described in the words of verse 12. They follow the gods of the people round about them. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 warns us, we dare not make ourselves among the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But I fear that for at least two, three, no, at least four generations now, we have done worse than these Corinthians comparing themselves among themselves. In Paul's writing, we've done worse than they have done. We have compared ourselves not just among ourselves, but with the world. Commenting on this scene, Calvin said, here he points out as with his finger, their folly. The man that has but one eye sees well enough when he's among the blind. The man that's dull of hearing Hears distinctly enough when he's among the totally deaf. 
Such were those that were satisfied with themselves. They showed themselves off among others simply because they did not look to any that was superior to themselves. For if they had compared themselves with Paul, (laughs) they would have felt constrained to lay aside immediately that foolish impression which they entertained and would have exchanged boasting for shame. What do you think about that, Brother John? What do you think about that comment? Way back yonder, way back yonder, John Calvin said, the problem with these folks, they've compared themselves among themselves and they're not comparing themselves with anybody superior. Indeed, this is a generation that doesn't even want the word superior in their vocabulary. Verse 12 said, the gods of the people that were round about them, round about them in their environment. Oh, ours is a generation in 2023 who have erred drastically erred in comparing themselves not with the great and the good from ages past, but with the giddy and the gaudy round about themselves. So then what says our text? What says our text was the catalyst that exposed this terrible state in the hearts of Israel. Verse 8 and 9, Joshua the son of Nun died. They buried him. Verse 10, also all that generation died. Oh, the loss of this old generation. This loss did not cause their demise. It revealed it. Be sure you make that distinction in your mind. Joshua and his brethren's death did not cause their demise. It revealed it. Oh, said Daniel Featley in 1660. He said the loss of one godly man, the loss of one godly man, that is a great punishment that God sendeth on a place. There is a great loss to those that survive. It is a great matter to build an experience, to, to build on the experience of the saints of God. When God removeth godly men, there is loss in every way. The church loses a member. The state loses a pillar. Godly men lose an example. Wicked men lose an advocate. Poor men lose a patron. All men lose a comfort when God removes a godly man. All said featly. It is a prognosticating of some evil to befall place when God takes them away. If Noah enters into the ark, the world may well expect a deluge. 
If Lot is out of Sodom, let it look for fire and brimstone. It's a sobering, prognosticating, says Featley, when God removes godly men. Oh, yet our generation, our generation would have them expunged from memory. Surely Featley continues his thoughts in this vein to our help when he preaches to us here on this first day of 2023. He says, here is stupidity. Can there be a greater stupidity than to make a man die twice as they die the death of their bodies so to make them suffer a death in our memories as they perish in the world so to perish also in our thoughts and meditations? We owe God so much. We owe piety so much. We owe the memorial of many so much. We owe ourselves so much as to take it into consideration. And yet men do not consider those that have gone before. He said here is stupidity. Can there be a greater stupidity? than to make a man die twice. Once in his own body and then again in our memory. Surely our brother from 1660 must have somehow seen our own day when he continues to speak in his own day 363 years ago he had this to say. Listen now. Listen, if you don't care about my preaching, that's fine. Listen to Daniel Featley preach. He said, evils there are now present that we begin to groan under. No man can tell where that evil will stop. There is evil present and evil to come because our evils are full multiplying. The beginning of sorrows and sufferings and fears. God grant that it may stop, but our state and condition is like them in this, that they are yet impenitent. We see the heavens grown black. We see judgments are ripening. When we see the sky red, when we see the sky black, Judgment is beginning, not only beginning to bud, but to be is beginning to spread and enlarge itself. There is evil that we have cause to fear and suspect, yet further to come on this place. The world sends forth men now void of natural affections. It was never so before. For if before they neglected others, yet they were careful for themselves. But men now desperately neglect themselves. There is no respect to God, no pity to others, and no, not even any for themselves. 
that spurred a thought spurred a thought in me and I looked it up on the internet even I know how to use Google isn't that amazing do you know in 2022 there were 700 over 703,000 suicides over 703,000 suicide and that doesn't even include the number of attempts that were failed which is 20 times that number Daniel Featley said we've come to a generation that is void of natural affection they have no respect to God no pity to others and no concern even for themselves he said I do not wonder that men hitherto considered not when they loved their lives better than their sins because they had some sensible care of that that was temporal when they loved their lives better than heaven but now men love not their own lives but their sins better for though their lives be in danger yet their sins are kept fentanyl <laughs> thought of fentanyl when I read that statement. people dying by the thousands but they won't turn it loose they just keep on playing with the fire. Featley said it is, it is an admirable thing to consider how every way we are given to plenty, to riot, to security, notwithstanding God cometh nearer and bringeth his judgment even to the door and makes it swell. He forbeareth a long time to try us with mercies and then he takes a severe course where shall men see the face of an alteration our lives are able our faith, our delight the same our lives the same our vanities and follies are the same we keep the same sin still as we did when we provoked God further and yet we will not repent he said that is an evident sign we consider not for what purpose God sends his plagues. We consider not while he doeth when he takes away others for our example. None lay it to heart. None lay it to heart. It swimmeth not in his brain. We begin to tremble or think of ourselves well if we provide a country house. But God hath beset us both in the country and in the city. God hath beset us both in the country and in the city. There will be no flight but to repentance. Those in the city of refuge. And there is no way to repent but by the considerations. And these must be took to heart before there can be an amendment. Till there be an amendment, there'll be no removing of the judgment. Oh, dear Lord, how Daniel Featley was preaching to America in 2023. How did we get here? How did we get here? Not just in 2022. No, not just back in 2020. No, not just back in the 20th century. No, no, no. 
Long ago, when Joshua and others that saw the Lord were taken from us and our sins, we were turned over to our sins. Our Father's hearts were let out to run at will. God removed the Joshua's and left us to ourselves. Oh, the psalmist. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 12 and verse 1, Help, Lord! These days, most recent months, I've, I've just clipped that right out of my Bible, that some single expression and had it on my lips many a time. Nothing more could I say than this. Help, Lord. Help. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail among the children of men. Help, Lord, the godly men are gone. But I must hasten. What was the fruit of this awful declension? I read it to you, verse 14 and 15. The anger of the Lord was hot. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He delivered them into the hands of the spoiler that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Oh, there's a, there's a biographical note on America, is it not? That's where we are. He's turned us over to the spoilers. They're spoiling us and we can't even stand before them. What was the fruit of this awful declension? Here it is. God was hot angry. That's an interesting Hebrew word there, that word translated in our Bible, hot. It means to glow with a burning. God has become so angry, glowing with hot anger, that he's turned them over to the spoilers. Oh, we deceive ourselves. When we believe that as long as we have our stuff, we've not been plundered. All right? As long as we have our stuff, we haven't been plundered. I could preach this message in 99% of the pulpits in Coweta County this morning. And they'd look at me like I had three heads. What is he talking about? Oh, I know bread's a little high and gas is too high, but, but there's nothing serious. What's he talking about? God's turned us over to the spoilers. But most of us believe that as long as we have our home, our car, our bank account, we're fine. We're going to be fine. This ain't got nothing to do with God. God ain't in this. It's just bad government management. We're going to fix it. 
we've been plundered. The, plund the spoilers have long since plundered us. What did they take, brother? They've taken everything. They've taken and plundered our heritage. They've plundered our intellect. They've plundered our storehouse of knowledge. They've plundered our education. The spoilers have plundered us. They've plundered our integrity. They've plundered honor, dignity, respect. They've plundered our homes. They've plundered our values. And yes, this morning, they've plundered our churches. A lot of discussion on and off this year about the subject of divorce and remarriage. Did you know Again, just a little statistic. Did you know divorce has doubled since 1990? I remember as a child in my own generation when divorce came in a family in the church it was talked about in whispers and behind closed doors. It was counted a great, terrible tragedy. In fact, an evil. And today we'll put it in the pulpits. We have been plundered. We have been turned over to the spoilers. God has turned us over. Oh, it grieves me to announce to you today, but here on the portal of 2023, God has turned us over to the spoilers and we've been plundered. The glory of God has long since departed in 1 Samuel 4 and 21 and Ichabod is written over the door of every institution in America's culture. Yes, I fear, even over the doors of our churches. Ichabod, the glory has departed. <laughs> I know I sometimes two, three, four, five times a year refer to it but that message dear old brother Roloff brought 1971 I'll never forget one of the things he said to us preachers in that congregation he said boys let me tell you something when the power of God leaves your church it'll take a lot of hot dogs to fix it he didn't mean of course it could be fixed with hot dogs he just meant that the people would vacate the church and they've done that. And they used every means and every trick in the world to bring them back. It's no good. Ichabod, God, the glory's departed. But I say to you, the glory has departed. We've been plundered in all of our culture. We've been robbed of everything good and righteous and worthy. Even manhood. Even manhood has been plundered 
by the spoilers. It was way back in 1984. I looked it up. Hadn't looked at it in years. Way back in 1984. I don't remember what the context was or where I was. I was listening to a message. I turned over in the front cover of my old Bible that I don't carry anymore. 1984 and I wrote these words. Never before in the history of the church has the gospel been more clearly understood and theologically defined while at the same time having less effect in changing men's lives. Oh, we've crossed every T and dotted every I. We've got theological conferences going on every month of the year, all around the year, all over the country. But the gospel has lost its power because the glory has departed and God has turned us over to the spoilers. But what then? As I hasten to a close, what then? Are we to go off in 2023 and live in a cave? Are we to hide and hope that some unexpected grace will appear in the lives of our children or grandchildren? What are we to do then? Well, can I just tell you from this text, there's mercy yet in Zion. For 2023. Here it is. Look at verse 16 and 18 again. Nevertheless. Hallelujah. Thank God for that word. Nevertheless. The Lord raised up judges. Which delivered them out of the hand. Of those that spoiled them. Now look why. Look why. Verse 18. When the Lord raised them up judges. Then the Lord was with the judge. And delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. Listen, for it repented the Lord. Why? Because of their groanings. By reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. Oh, hallelujah. Can I announce to you this morning? There's hope for 2023. What's the hope, Brother John? The hope is in verse 18. Their groanings. Their groanings. Let me just give you three quick thoughts and I'll close. Three key thoughts from this text. Verse 18. Verse 16 and 18. Number one. These judges were raised up by God. Verse 17, 16. Nevertheless, the Lord... The Lord raised up judges. The Lord raised up judges. They were raised up by God. They didn't come into place by popular demand. They weren't successful in the life of delivering Israel from their spoilers because of seminaries. The seminary didn't send them. The schools didn't send them. The boards and associations didn't send them. 
The Lord raised them up. Not by might nor by power, Zechariah 4 verse 6. Not by might nor by power, but by thy spirit, saith the Lord. The work must be done by God. It's a sovereign work. How's that going to happen? Groanings. 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 People, God begging God. Groanings. Spoil, my title says. Spoil, yet groaning. Groaning. Number one, they were raised up by God. Number two, they were raised up because of God's nature. Compassion. You see, it was in the nature of God. Hey, hey, he didn't just raise them up because they met some kind of formula. That's one of the greatest downfalls, I think, Brother John, in the history of my lifetime. Men came to believe and to preach that revival was somehow a formula. And if you just worked the formula, you'd get the, you'd get the revival. No, no. It's not in a formula. It's in the compassion of God. My text tells me he heard their groanings and his heart was moved. Oh, I could go through the Bible this morning. I could preach for an hour just taking you from place to place to place where I can show you God's heart is moved by his people crying. Oh, God raised them up and he raised them up because of his nature. Compassion. Can I tell you, he can hear the faintest voice of the weakest sheep in the midst of the loudest howling storm because of his compassion. Well, I recently made reference in another message to that text, and I'll not go there in Genesis 21, but I love that story. I've I've been hung up in it for a while now. That story in Genesis 21, you know it. I read you just the one verse, one or two verses, where he says this in verse 15. The water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were, a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. What a tender scene is this. This dear mother. She laid him walked away. She sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. Verse 17. God heard the voice of the lad. Of the lad. Not her. Him, this tiny little voice, weak, without water. God heard that. God heard that. Can I tell you? God sent these judges, and He sent them because of His nature, compassion. He heard their groanings. He heard their groanings.
Do you know that word groanings in the Hebrew is used only four times in all the Bible? Four times. And in every case it speaks of misery in men. Misery in the heart of a human being. Oh dear saint this morning, I want to ask you a question. It's going to be, it's going to get close. Are you miserable yet? Are you miserable yet? Are you pretty comfortable? God sent these, number one. Number two, he sent them because of his nature, compassion. He heard them groaning. You know when people are grown? When they get miserable. Are you miserable enough yet? Oh, dear saint, how miserable are you? Are you groaning in prayer in your closet? In the nighttime on your pillow? Sometimes during the day while you're plying your trade in the job place of life, are you groaning sometimes? Where are the tears of God's people? Maybe we just haven't yet felt the spoiler's hand enough. God help us. Groaning. Groaning. They raised up because of his compassion. Twenty twenty three lay before us. I wonder if we could groan our way into the new year and beg God to take away the spoilers. Israel did. And the Bible tells me, verse 18, the Lord raised them up, judges. And was the judge. Then the Lord was the judge. And he delivered them out of the hands of their enemies. I wonder if in 2023... I wonder if we could groan ourselves back into the mercies of God. Stand with me if you will please and let's sing together in conclusion hymn number 1055 1055 Teach me the measure of my days, thou maker of my frame. I would survey life's narrow space and learn how frail I am. Stand with me, please. (laughs) 
Teach me the measure of my days, Thou maker of my frame. I would survey life's narrow space and learn how frail I am. A span is all that we can boast. How short the fleeting time. Man is but vanity and dust in all his flower and prime. What can I wish or wait for then from creatures, earth and dust? They make our expectations vain and disappoint our trust. Now I forbid my carnal hope, my fond desire recall. I give my mortal interest up and make my God my own.